So when we're looking at how to make education to bring enchantment to learning then, what I say is find the edge of unknowing for yourself. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa. You can find out more about the podcast at cultivatingthelovely.com in our Yellow Brick Road membership community at patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely and in our Facebook group. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram where you can find me at Mackenzie Coppa. That's M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E-K-O-P-P-A. Ladies, I have my good old friend on the show this week, Julie Bogart, and she's talking about her new book, The Brave Learner. Now, I think that this book is wonderful, especially for homeschoolers, but even if you're not a homeschooler, I'm not anymore, but I still took so many great tips about parenting and engaging our kids and having great conversations with them away from this book, and I think that you will too. Plus, Julie is just so much fun. She's a delight. I really enjoyed talking with her. She has so much amazing insight. I think you guys are really going to like this episode. But first of all, I wanted to mention a couple of things such as Patreon. You guys, did you know that we recently released our quarter two workbook? Now, what the heck is the quarter two workbook? Well, it is a set of principles that will take you through goal planning in four different areas. These areas include your spiritual life. We actually have a Bible study that is also included, your self-care, your care of your home, and more. And this quarter, we actually have introduced weekly challenges. So we thought it would be a really good time with spring to be doing a lot of those kind of refresh and renew things that need to be done around the house and around our lives. This last week, we worked on doing a little bit of a heart check. How are we doing on the goals we set up for ourselves at the new year? Are we having good attitudes about things? You know, all those sorts of things to help us have a mind reset for going into this next quarter. Now, this week, we have actually been working on meal planning, which we all need to do. It's a big part of all of our lives, and we're actually doing it through the end of the month, so we're really getting a big jump on things. There's lots of different planning and prepping activities that we are doing together in a community, and we would love to have you be a part of it. If that sounds interesting to you, come over and join us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. We would love to have you there. The workbook is available to lovely friends and lovely tribe level members, but there are lots of other things available at all the other levels as well. So if you'd like to join us, head over to patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. All right, with that, let's get on with this episode with Julie Bogart. Welcome, Julie. Mackenzie, it's always great to talk to you. I am so excited to have you back because this has been like many years coming. I had you on once and like my computer crashed and all these things happened and everything. And then I was on your podcast last fall, but I finally get to have you on and we get to talk about your beautiful new book I'm so excited about. But for people who don't know who you are, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. I'm Julie Bogart. I run a company called Brave Writer, which is designed to help parents who want to be a part of their children's writing education. So unlike a lot of writing programs that are, you know, meant to teach writing so the parent doesn't have to, we're all about coordinating with the parent-child relationship and helping parents feel like they are a meaningful part of their child's education in writing. We have families who homeschool, families who have kids in traditional education, but the primary goal is to activate the writing voice in the child and for the parent and child to work together without there being pain, resistance, and tears. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, so that's Brave Writer. I come from a writing background. I worked as an editor of a magazine and a ghost writer and a freelance writer and my mom is a published author of over 70 books. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So my whole life growing up was all about writing, mm-hmm. not school, not school writing, but actually of self-expression and writing. Uh, so then I went ahead and had five children and <laughs> decided to homeschool them. And I discovered that the ways that I wrote and the ways I was teaching writing to my own children uh, were unique in the homeschooling world. Mm. And so that's really what launched my desire to be a part of solving that problem for parents. So yeah, my five kids were homeschooled for 17 years full time, but several of them went to at least 
a couple years of full-time high school. One did all four years. One of my daughters did part-time enrollment for a few years. So we've had public school and homeschool experience. Today, they are all thriving adults. I love that. And what I really love is, okay, so you've released this new book called The Brave Learner. And I feel like it's kind of what I've always said about Brave Rider because I was exposed to Brave Rider, man, four or five years ago, I think. It's been a while. Yeah. Maybe four years ago because I think it was right at the beginning of Periscope and that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. And that's how we started to connect. And it was this new idea to me. But the more I read into it, I felt like, well, this doesn't just apply to writing. Like this is a philosophy of learning of coming alongside your children and learning with them and having the enchantment and the whole idea of, you know, food added to it and experiences. And it, I, I kept thinking like, this is, this is a, a style of homeschooling. It's not just a writing program. And so your book, I feel like is that whole idea. That's exactly right. In fact, I think you know, because I homeschooled and was in search of what worked, just like everybody else, and I was combining that at the same time simultaneously with working with homeschool families, families who were struggling with writing, Mm -hmm. I actually was in this interesting dual laboratory. So I had my own family, and then I had these thousands of other families. And you start to notice like these universal patterns, you know, Mm. the mom having a really clear schedule and high expectations and children who don't want to cooperate with the schedule and have their own expectations. Um, You have parents who can't remember what it was like to be a child. It's like an etch-a-sketch brain. All they can see is the future of what their child should become, not who they are today. And these themes start to recur and they don't just happen with writing. You know, I... I have um, lots of public school friends, especially people I went to college with and high school with. And I was just out in California with these four high school best friends of mine, and none of them homeschooled their kids. But they started hearing me speak about my book. And two of them in particular said, Julie, this book isn't just for homeschoolers. I want all my public school friends to have a copy. I'm going to take like a black Sharpie marker and just cross out the word homeschool on the cover. Yeah. (laughs) And, And the main reason Dana especially felt that way is she said the number of battles I went through over homework were absurd if I had just known some of these principles, like how to come on alongside, how to offer help. Uh, She intuitively discovered on her own that her daughter with dyslexia could produce better writing assignments if she just transcribed what her daughter said in words. And she said, I just never told the teacher because I knew that we were getting her best writing. So there is a quality, just like you say, of this being about the shared learning adventure between parent and child, whether you're working with them on their homework or you've designed the curriculum yourself and you homeschool them. Yeah, I mean, literally, I experienced this last night with my my son because I, you know, we are in school this year. We've got full-time school. My oldest is in sixth grade and they are putting out some, you know, decent writing assignments. He is learning how to write that five paragraph essay and a persuasive essay and those kinds of things. But you can tell there's, well, first of all, they've had a student teacher. So, you know, oh my goodness. it doesn't always help when you're trying to really get a grasp of these kinds of writing in public school for the first time and all that. And so, but writing was where I thrived, but I always thought like, I don't know, how could I impart this to him? But I kept thinking every time he would bring his homework home for these essays and whatnot but julie said in her all of her stuff like come alongside him it that's how he learns it's not like i'm doing the writing for him if i give him ideas well what if you do it this way and think about it that way and you know it's been such a process of me being able to say hey i was good at this so let me give you some ideas and then you put it into your words and i want to show you like this is what they mean when they say give evidence like you're trying to prove this and to see those lights come on for him has been so gratifying and we've been partnering together and doing that same thing like you just said i will just have him tell me, okay, what it is, what is it that you're wanting to say? And we'll kind of work on it together and he'll say it in his words and I'll write the whole thing down and then he'll copy it. And 
that's right has been an amazing like he's getting it and but he wouldn't be if he's just doing it on his own and he's getting good grades because we're working together and it's clicking for him I love that that's such a beautiful example I have this uh, saying I think it's in my book but I definitely have said it many times on podcasts and in my blog lower the bar to experience success yeah lower the bar you know we're always talking about raising the yeah. bar but as one of my good friends, Rita Savasco says, she's a reading specialist. She says, no one ever learned to swim by drowning. <laughs> and, and too often we say to our kids, you know, get in that pool and swim because you're this age and this age is already swimming in the deep end. But, you know, we would never do that with swimming. Yeah. We would never throw a child into the deep end of the pool just because they were in high school if they had never learned to swim, if they didn't know how to hold their breath or dog paddle or float. And we do it all the time, though, with every other aspect of education. We say, well, she's in seventh grade. She should already know her times tables by heart. Well, yeah. if she doesn't, that doesn't get her closer to knowing yeah. them simply by ignoring the fact that she didn't memorize them yet. And now she has to apply them to finding common denominators. Yeah. So we really want to take our children where they are, lower the bar to match the appropriate challenge level and then offer the support they need to make up the difference. Over yeah. time, over time, they aren't gonna want your help. It's yeah. like helping them learn to ride a bike. At first, they're dependent on you or they're dependent on the training wheels. But eventually, once they catch the knack of having their balance, they don't want you there yeah. and they'll be the first to tell you to get lost. Yeah. So you can be confident that's going to happen in these other areas of learning as well. Ladies, you know what I'm a big believer in? A well-fitting bra. Do you know that most of us are not wearing the right size, not even close usually? And you know why that is? A lot of us don't want to go into a store and be fit by a professional fitter because that's awkward. Well, how do you find out what size you are and what's going to fit you correctly with the actual shape of your breasts and all of that if you don't go into a store? Well, I have the answer for you. It is Third Love, a company that I was so excited to get to try out because I've heard so many amazing things about them. So let me tell you how it works. You go on their website and you fill out their Fit Finder quiz. You answer a few simple questions to find your perfect fit in about 60 seconds. Over 12 million women have taken the quiz to date. And it's actually fun and really interesting to get a good handle on what your body is actually like and to see that the actual shape of your breasts matters to a good fitting bra and the proper style of bra that you should be wearing. Third Love helps you identify your breast size and shape and then find styles that fit your body. Then they have a 100% fit guarantee. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find the perfect fit. And fit stylists are available every day to help via text, chat, or phone. Returns and exchanges are free and super easy. I actually got a size and I realized, oh, this is a little bit too small. So they recommended that I go up by a half size cup. Yes, they have half sizes. Is that not brilliant to realize that we don't just all fit in all these standard sizes, but maybe somebody needs a half size? So my exchange was super easy to be able to send right back to them. They sent me a free shipping label and I popped it in the mail. As soon as it registered that I had put it in the mail, they sent out my new bras in the correct size and I love them. It's hands down the most comfortable bra you will own. The straps won't slip and the tagless labels mean no itching. And their lightweight, super thin memory foam cups actually mold to the shape of your chest to fit better over time. I think that's brilliant as well. And they are proprietary to Third Love. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash lovely now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash lovely for 15% off today. And I think there's, like you're saying, lowering the bar, there's just something to feeling success in something that then makes you want to drive on to do more. Right. I mean, I, this is a silly example. I think I might've talked about it on the podcast last week, but I had a big reading goal for this year. And, but on the contrary, last year, 
I had a really low reading goal because I was like, I just want to do something I know I can achieve. And I did, and I surpassed it by like 16 books. This year, I created this ridiculous reading goal. I was like, oh, I did so well last year. I'm going to, you know, read a bazillion books this year. And I became frustrated. I was annoyed with my reading. I was, you know, not listening to things. I was rushing through things. And this was a silly goal just imposed on myself. (laughs) But when I could sit back and say, you know what? I need to lower my reading goal again so I can enjoy reading. I started reading more. I'm finding books that I enjoy. And, and that's just something for myself. So for our kids, we have to remember like how powerful that idea is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And what we're doing as adults is we're making exceptions for ourselves. We do it all the time. We're like, well, I needed more time to clean the bathroom than I thought. Or, you know, I hope I can be forgiven for my late payment on the bill when I call the company directly. Like we make those exceptions for ourselves. And then we tell our kids the real world won't make exceptions for them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's a really common thing that parents do. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. But we have so much power to teach them how to work in a way that will actually allow them to have more success by just pacing themselves and yeah, giving them those, those easy wins. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. You got it. But your philosophy is so much more than that. It's this whole idea of enchantment. So would you just give this snapshot of what you're talking about in the book? Yes, definitely. So when I talk about enchantment, I'm talking about this experience of sudden ease. The example or the metaphor that I like to use in the book is like a moving sidewalk in an airport. You know how you're walking along, dragging that suitcase. It's so heavy, uh, even if it's on wheels and you're in a hurry. You're always in a hurry at an airport, even if you're three hours early and you see the moving sidewalk and you get on it. And suddenly every stride you take is like so powerful. You feel like you're, you know, a superhero and you're gliding along and every movement you make is turbo boosted. It's just a little easier, a little smoother, a little more powerful. You're still in an airport. It's not like you got transported to Disneyland. You're still like underground in an airport on this moving sidewalk. But the experience of walking feels supported. It feels energized. That's what I mean when I say enchantment. I don't mean that you are going to dance and throw pixie dust literally on your children. I don't (laughs) to take them to Knott's Berry Farm or a theme park. What I mean is the tasks that you want to do with your children will feel easier somehow. They'll feel a little turbo boosted when we maximize what I call the properties of enchantment. So let me describe what they are to you. There mm-hmm. are four, uh, at least four. I mean, there's probably more than four, but I've identified four that I think help parents understand what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So they are surprise, mystery, risk, and adventure. Mm. So okay. if we think about our little kids especially, surprise is literally everywhere because everything is new to them. So you're taking, for example, wet eggs and melted butter and sandy sugar and flour and you're mixing it together into this wet sort of consistency and then you pop it in an oven at a temperature and it comes out and it's a sturdy birthday cake like that's surprising to children this is why they all want to bake it is a mystery by the time you know 40 years old we're jaded it's like of course it looks like batter of course it gets hard in an oven but if you just pause to think about it It's absolutely startling. This is a chemical transformation going on here that delights every child you've ever met. Yeah. So if we expand that notion then, what else is surprising for kids? Well, magic, a present, a book that's wrapped, uh, the fact that you might wake them up in the dark and do something in the middle of the night, like going outside to look at the stars, anything that is out of the routine And that leads to a little mystery, a little Mm -hmm. curiosity on the other side, a little deepening awe or appreciation. Those two sort of enchantments, surprise and mystery, work so beautifully with children. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the recommendations I have, for instance, with mystery is to just simply change how you see a thing. 
you know, most of us, once we're adults, the number one skill you can cultivate intellectually is to be able to see through multiple perspectives, to not be myopic and only understand the world the way you've always been told the world works, mm -hmm. but to ask meaningful questions, to shift viewpoints, to stand in the shoes of somebody else and see the world through their perspective. Well, when your children are small, you can literally change the way they physically see as a foretaste of that coming intellectual development. Mm. So a magnifying glass, a telescope, binoculars, a kaleidoscope, 3D glasses, a jeweler's loop. These are all ways that the familiar suddenly becomes unfamiliar and mysterious and new again. Mm. Yeah. I, I tell you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like you take a piece of hair, a strand of hair, and put it under a microscope, it's a completely different experience yeah. than just seeing it on someone's head, yeah. right? So yeah. surprise and mystery are all about that. They are causing you, provoking you into interest. You know, I call it startling a child into delight. Hmm. I love that. I mean, I, I just think of like, even when a parent puts a child up on their shoulders in a crowd. Exactly. Like, perfect example. Gives them such a different perspective. That's a per That's why going up a ladder and sliding down a slide is endlessly fascinating. Not only is there a little bit of risk and adventure attendant to it, which we'll talk about, but there's also just that feeling of a new point of view. I love that. That's an excellent example, putting them on the shoulders. I like that. Well, I think because we're, we're doing it with them too, which I love that you hit on so many times. I think though it does force us as parents to really have to kind of think outside the box, which your book does a good job of coaxing that out of parents. But would you speak to the fear that parents might have of trying to develop ed an education from this perspective? Yes. Uh, so one of the things that I hear back from people is that they're trying to enchant their child's education. The child just doesn't like what they're doing. And even before I get into that, let me just give a thumbnail on risk and adventure, and then I can tie that all together. Yeah, yeah. It's important to, to know what I mean by risk and adventure, too. For young children, pretty much all of their lives are risky, right? They're learning to walk. They're learning to eat. They're yeah. learning everything they do. But they're not, that isn't like the primary way to motivate them. Surprises like peekaboo and game playing and baking and all those very, you know, hands in the mud, feeling the difference between water and slime, all of these things really capture the imagination of yeah. young children. But when we get into the junior and senior high years, they are starting to recognize sort of the familiar pattern of the world around them. They're becoming jaded like the rest of us. We yeah. don't see all the mysteries anymore. So, but what really animates them is the opportunity to take a big risk or go on an adventure. Yeah. And what that means is what the sum total of risk and adventure is for a teen is proving to yourself that you will someday be able to be an adult independent of your. Yeah. So what does that mean? R facilitating risk and adventure means you allow your children to do things out from under your constant vigilant supervision and requirement. So it might mean allowing a risky thought. Your child actually has a belief that doesn't align with yours. Mm. Your child explores a book or listens to music that is unfamiliar to you, that may not naturally align with your personality or your religious beliefs or your political positions. Mm -hmm. At that stage, they are just beginning to test ideas. It's the first time they've ever discovered, gosh, not everybody eats the same way. Not everybody in the world dresses the same way. Not yeah. everybody around me that I like believes the same way. And so risk in our intellectual side is this shift to multiple perspectives, the willingness to hold intention, what I believe, what other people believe, and how to have dialogue between those two adventure in my mind is literally getting out of the house <laughs> <laughs> you know going somewhere being able to work a job or drive a car or go on a camp or away on a mission trip or something that allows the child 
to gain new skills and resilience because they're in an unfamiliar space. Mm -hmm. They have to call on their own resources to meet the challenges of this other space. So when we put those all together, surprise, mystery, risk, and adventure, we are giving our kids an opportunity to learn in a sticky way. In other mm, words, yeah. these four forces cause the learning to stick to your ribs. Yeah. They leave an impression. They like leave an indelible mark. Suddenly, you know, you've been on this trip to uh, Haiti and you remember that trip. You remember the food, the smells, the sights, the sounds, the color of the sky, because it's so unfamiliar, it leaves this big imprint on you while you draw on your own resources to greet that challenge. It's the reason universally adults have fond memories of college. It's mm. their first time on this massive adventure and everything about being an adult is new. So it leaves yeah. this really deep lingering impression. Yeah. Well, the same is true with surprise or mystery. The first time you look through a telescope and you see Saturn, you'll be changed. You'll never think about the planets the same way. Yeah. So bottom line is this. When a parent tells me enchantment isn't working, I think what they're admitting is that they're still trying to do education to their children. They're not joining alongside and learning simultaneously. Hmm. Outcome in mind. I want my child to learn fractions. So I am going to figure out a way to make fractions uh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> think enchantment is fun. But that isn't what we're looking at. Sometimes a risk, an adventure, a mystery takes some struggle. You know, you're trying to beat level in Mario Kart. It's not always fun. Sometimes it's just frustrating. Yeah. But you're still drawn forward by the risk by the adventure, by the mystery. Hmm. So when we're looking at how to make education to bring enchantment to learning then, what I say is find the edge of unknowing for yourself. Not what you want your kids to know, but allow yourself to be surprised, hmm. to be drawn to the mystery, to discover what the risk or adventure of the thing is because that will lead you to the most natural place to express that with your children. You won't be trying to trick them into learning with some fun appetizer. Yeah. You'll actually be joining them on the essential nature of the thing. Yeah. Ladies, I am very conscious of what I put on my skin and what I allow to be on my kids' skin. That's why I'm so grateful for BioClarity. It's a clean and green skincare brand that has products that just work. What healthy eating does for your body, BioClarity does for your face. Also, especially if you're dealing with, say, a 13-year-old, it's really helpful that their skincare line offers easy-to-use regimens, along with the good-for-you ingredients that will give you great skin. So lately, my 13-year-old son has been using the Clear Skin Routine. It's for combination oily or breakout-prone skin. It comes with everything you need to get clear, glowing skin. The three-step regimen gets rid of breakouts, clears, and calms skin, and is packed full of detoxifying nutrients. It's also antioxidant and includes a super special ingredient only in BioClarity, Floralux from plants. It's absolutely more than just a cleanser. It will give you clear and radiant skin without over drying. It also helps with redness, hyperpigmentation, and evening out skin tone and texture. I've even been known to use this clear skin routine from time to time when I'm not using their essentials routine. The three steps are cleanse, treat, and restore. And they have really helped tame my son's slightly acne-prone skin as he's entering those teenage years. Plus, I can feel comfortable knowing that their products are 100% vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, sulfate-free, and artificial fragrance-free. Plus, there's a 100% risk-free money-back guarantee. You can get healthier, more radiant skin by going to BioClarity.com. And right now, for my listeners, you will save 40% on skincare routines plus an additional 15% off everything on their website. That's an incredible deal. But you need to enter my code LOVELY at checkout. So go to BioClarity.com and get 40% off skincare routines plus an additional 15% off everything on their website when you use my code LOVELY at checkout. Ladies, earaches are one of the primary causes for doctor visits, with over 30 million visits per year. I should know, we've, we've probably made up a good number of those this past winter. And that's why I was so grateful to find out that Highlands can help. Here's the deal. After you've been diagnosed with an earache by a physician, try Highlands homeopathic earache drops or tablets. 
Highlands has been trusted for generations to provide safe homeopathic medicines for all members of the family. And yes, all members of our family this year, including me, have used these earache drops and they have made such a difference. Highlands homeopathic earache drops and tablets provide natural relief to help you get back to doing what you love. Visit highlands.com, H-Y-L-A-N-D-S, to find a retailer near you. That's highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain. Claims are based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted medical evidence. Not FDA evaluated. Read and follow label directions. Yeah, I think that is such a good point. And when you can just kind of like give into that is when you can really make a lot of breakthroughs. But I also know there are so many homeschooling parents. I think probably especially newer homeschooling parents. When I was back really helping a lot of moms along the way, I would hear a lot of times like, well, but I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to start this. I want to make sure we don't have any gaps. So I've got Ah. to start with a curriculum. So you, I would love to hear your perspective on that because you have kids who ended up in school. And so, you know, what, what is your perspective on that? Not having those gaps so they could go into education, you know, public education if they need to, and how to feel that confidence in formulating this curriculum when you don't really feel like you have the know-how to do that. Yeah, such a great point. I think we all start homeschooling uh, with this notion that we're trying to have a better experience than school that meets the identical criteria to school. So what ends up happening, we start off probably on a good foot, but very quickly capitulate to all the methods of the school system because we're measuring by their criteria and we know criteria is drawn from the methods. So what I like to liberate parents to consider, even if their kids are in school, is that being schooled and being educated are not the same thing. Hmm. You can learn how to go to school, follow the directions, do the work, and actually learn things. I'm not saying you wouldn't learn things. I went to public education my mm-hmm. whole life. I consider myself a well-educated person. Yeah. But that isn't the same thing, though, as mastery and learning yeah. and retaining. So I got an A in biology, <laughs> but I don't remember anything about the class yep. except section of the side which I really loved by the way I thought that was fascinating and my real biological education started the first time I wanted to get pregnant uh, so yeah. started really taking things seriously and when I didn't get pregnant right away boy my level of expertise on the human body went through the roof yeah <laughs> taking a really good test on you know the whole fertility system yeah and then of course I got pregnant and it became fascinating birth became fascinating that was my way in to actually learning biology, even though I got an A in the class in high mm-hmm. school and passed all the tests. Yeah. So sometimes when we're talking about gaps, I, you know, I talk to parents who went to traditional school and do have gaps. I ask audiences all the time, who knows the definition of a past participle? And there's a staggeringly large number of adults who can't define that for you right now. Yeah. In fact, I would find it difficult to give you a succinct definition. I can tell you what one is. I can kind of find it in the sentence, but it doesn't have meaningful relevance to the practice of writing or speaking for me on a daily basis. So it doesn't ever become retained. And yet it's that very question. Will my child know what a past participle is if I follow their curiosity? Will we ever get there? Will there be that gap? Well, I'm here to tell you, some of you have gaps right now, and you studied that subject every single year of your childhood. Yeah. The gap is not from whether you're in school or not, whether you use a curriculum or not. You can have gaps through unschooling, through homeschooling, and through traditional school if the criteria you're using to measure your education is external to the child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if we focus on who the child is, and we create what Charlotte Mason calls uh, a feast of learning, you know, this yeah. this sort of science of relations of learning, your children will glean enough of the tools of learning that they can learn anything they want or need to throughout yeah. their lives. That's the goal. Yeah. And I think, you know, I 
you know, I think some people know from me talking on the podcast and whatnot, but like my oldest son, he had, we found out he has dyslexia this year. There have always been, you know, we've had a hard time getting over certain humps that he has needed to get over. And that has put him, you know, behind in the school system's eyes. But as I was kind of sharing with you beforehand, I'm so appreciative to our school and the way they've set up the system. They have been also able to recognize, though, that's the thing that's holding him back. In all these other ways, he's still excelling and he can he can get his ideas out. Just they may not look all, you know, correctly spelled and everything. But I love when his teachers will actually base him on the content of his work, his grades on the content instead of the schematics of all of it. But even beyond that. I, you know, because sometimes it's really easy for me to be like, did I just fail as a homeschooler? You know, did, did we just miss the mark completely? But when I sit back and I think about everything as teachers have said to me, I have ha- his PE teacher came up to me a couple of weeks ago and said, I just have to tell you that in 37 years of my teaching, I don't know that I've ever met a kid who was more remarkable than your son. He is hardworking. He's kind. He is helpful. He is just always there to do what needs to be done. And man, that feels like, you know what? I didn't teach him every single thing that he needed to know. And we, we didn't pass all of the hurdles, but he's one of the hardest working kids in the class. He's enjoying learning. He's putting everything into it. He's understanding what they're teaching him. And I can't think that that had nothing to do with my homeschooling. Like if nothing else, we got some character in there. We call that a payday. I mean, that is a payday. You don't get paid to homeschool, but that's your pay. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is that kind of human being out in the world they'll be valuable wherever they are and they will learn what they need. Um, I, I had a very graphic experience of what you're talking about. You know, I used curriculum to teach my kids math and we did use a history program. Uh, and you know, brave writer offers tools for teaching writing. Mm -hmm. I wasn't married to the schedule and we made modifications based on children. And over time I became more comfortable with, following my own sort of rabbit trails from what we were learning. But for math, I lacked a lot of confidence. My own math skills are very poor for a host of reasons related to public school. Talk about gaps. Yeah. So my oldest son, who's naturally gifted at math, uh, decided, you know, it was time for him to take algebra two, and I knew I couldn't teach it to him. So we signed him up for part-time enrollment at the local high school, one class a day, just algebra two. And Within a semester, he was getting a C, and I was crestfallen. I thought, oh, my gosh, I've completely failed this kid. I thought he was doing fine. He's really doing poorly. So I went to the parent-teacher conference with my tail between my legs. I didn't even wear makeup. I was so ashamed I didn't even look nice. And I walk in, and the teacher greets me with this big, cheery smile. Mrs. Bogart, so nice to meet you. Uh, Noah's mom. And I I said to her, "You, you like Noah? Oh, yes. Noah's a great kid. I said, but he's getting a C. She goes, yeah. I said, well, I homeschooled him. I know I'm not good at math and I just feel terrible. And she goes, oh, Julie, he's great at math. I said, well, then how is he getting a C? She goes, he doesn't turn in his homework. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And I said, oh, my gosh, really? Because I did the homework with him, you know, painstakingly every night, but it never made it from his locker to the classroom. And so then I said, oh, you're kidding. You mean if he just turned in homework? She goes, well, sometimes he makes some silly errors on tests because he doesn't check his work. She goes, but here's how I know Noah's good at math. Every day I come into class and I put a problem on the board and I ask the students in the class, How would you approach this problem to solve it? And she said, in a class of 30, 29 kids pick up a pencil and hold it over their notebook waiting for me to tell them. And Noah every day raises his hand and thinks of some innovative way to approach that problem on the board that I haven't thought of. Hmm. She said, he's a mathematical thinker. He'll be fine. And she said, what do you care about his grade? He's homeschooled. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a liberating experience. So let's fast forward now. He he tried college three times, hated it all three times, quit. He probably put in like two and a half years worth total, quit, self-taught, 
computer programmer and today makes the most money of any of my adult kids wow. working for a company and he knows multiple languages wow. all because he's good at math. Yeah. So did I want a schooled student or an educated one? Yeah. Right? Yeah. An educated so that, one. That, yes. The educated one is who he turned out to be. Now I have other kids who love school and did great in school. But I just want to lay that. That was my oldest child, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the one that makes you the most panicked yes. that you're failing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But I love that because he's got the the know-how to be a self-learner. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And he just could not be bothered with the business of school. And, yeah. and I worried then that he wouldn't be a quote-unquote good worker at a job. And that has not proven at all to be true. He loves what he's doing. Exactly. He loves problem solving. And so he works fine at his job. So I think it's important, you know, especially when you're in the trenches with your kids. I didn't know it would work out this way. Yeah. So I definitely harangued him, shamed him, blamed him, nagged him, prophesied doom over his future. <laughs> I did all of those things. And somehow, in spite of all that and all the times I had to learn and be apologetic and regroup, yeah. he has made it. Um, he's the kid who said to me at one point when I was really haranguing him, Mom, you raised me in an unconventional way, and now you want me to be a conventional student? <laughs> that Ooh, was a that'll moment. get you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Like yeah. that was a wake call. Oh, you're right. What am I doing? Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. It's it's hard when they get old enough to, to reason with you. Like, ah, oh, yeah. dang. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love that. Okay, I know I've mentioned it a few times in this podcast, ladies, but we're moving and we're super excited about it. And one of the things that comes along with having our own space again is being able to do things in our own way and our own routine again. And for me, one of those big things is meal planning and specifically meal planning with plan to eat. I have used Plan to Eat for five years now. I am a huge lover of this company because they seriously simplify my life and they help me to make meals an important part of our life and our family culture, the way that they should be, the way that Plan to Eat believes they are. They believe that physical and emotional health is tied directly to what we eat. And Plan to Eat was born from the desire to eat real food, great food, prepared at home together as a family. And Plan to Eat just happens to be a tool that helps you prepare delicious, wholesome food that nourishes both both body and soul, but taking a lot of the headache out of it. So Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website. You can also go ahead and put in the ones by hand that you've loved all your life and they're passed down from your grandmother, you know, all those kinds of things. You put in the recipes your family actually eats, and then you're very simply able to create a meal plan around your schedule. It's a drag and drop system. It's super easy to use. You can even copy entire meal plans that you've created and put them on other weeks, also saving you a ton of time. And then after you've created the meal plan, the software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan and your shopping habits. It's so well thought out, you guys. I can't say enough good things about it. In addition to a desktop account, your subscription also includes access to a mobile app that is amazing. You no longer have to print out lists or anything. It's always right there in your phone. And to make it even better, Plenty Eat also has a full-time support team that is available to help you get started with an account and answer any of your questions. Plenty Eat is a subscription service that offers monthly and yearly options for $4.95 a month and $39 a year. That's only 75 cents a week. Plus, they include a free, fully functional 30-day trial, no payment required, so you can easily see if it's right for you. But it gets even better, ladies. Plan to Eat only has one big sale a year. But if you visit plantoeat.com slash lovely, you can start a free 60-day trial instead of their normal 30-day trial. That's two months for free of planning. So you're going to want to get it as soon as possible. Get your recipes in there and see how amazing it is. Just go to plantoeat.com slash lovely. You could friend me on there at Bold Turquoise. We can share recipes. It's a great system. I think you're going to love it like I do. Go check it out. Plantoeat.com slash lovely. But you did mention that you, you know, you use some curriculum over the years, you know, and you, you have this beautiful idea of the enchanted education, but for people who are feeling like I want that, but I also want something to kind of undergird things. Where do you think that curriculum can fit into this philosophy? So perfect. So for instance, 
one of the things that we use as a tool of enchantment is the environment or the context of learning. So sometimes it's not the math program that's the problem. It's the hard chair your child is sitting yeah. in. It's the fact that they want to sit on the couch with a clipboard and the pet, the cat in their lap so they can pet <laughs> the cat that would change everything, right? Yeah, that yeah. you just, and I used to say in Brave Rider all the time when all else fails, add brownies. Yes. Like reimagine the context. So when my kids were doing all this copy work and dictation, you know, a la Charlotte Mason, uh, we started lighting candles and each mm -hmm. kid had their own little tea light. They could light it. Then they would copy and then they could blow it out or extinguish it with one of those little extinguishers. Oh, yeah. For some reason, just the fun of striking a match, lighting a candle, letting it flicker while you were handwriting and blowing it out was enough enchantment to make the handwriting lesson a completely different experience. Yeah. Uh, for other kids, you black paper and gel pens. They'll do all the copying you could ever want. You yeah. just hand them a different color pen and suddenly they're willing to do it. Yeah. It's thinking about you know, the context, maybe your child needs more support from you, like what you offered your son with his dyslexia, or maybe your child is sick of you hovering and yeah. they need some independence. Like you drop them off at Starbucks and get them, you know, a Frappuccino while you go shopping and they do their math work there. Sometimes we just need to reimagine the experience because the schoolwork at the kitchen table with college ruled paper and pencils just gets stale at a certain yeah. point in time. And it's not the work that they're resisting. It's the whole drudgery of that dailiness of life. Yeah. So definitely, I mean, we used uh, math programs the whole way through. Um, I did change things up at times, like with history, we tried different programs based on different reading lists. For language arts, I did have some workbooks I used with my young children for phonics and vocabulary. Do you want to know why? Why? So they'd have something to do. <laughs> yes. Because literally oh, most yes. of parenting is keeping them busy and keeping them from dying. Yeah. And I don't always have a lot to do. And sometimes just being able to say, okay, do a page out of Explode the Code while I nurse the yeah. baby yes. is really helpful. Yeah. So, you know, but see these as tools and resources for creating a sane educational life. Yeah your taskmasters, right? Mm -hmm. You should be able to flex. You should be able to chase inspiration when it shows up mm -hmm. and then return to your comforting, predictable pattern of routine and living on the days when inspiration is not there. And yes. having resources for days makes your life happier. It really does. Now, you don't want to get into an arm wrestling, tearful match over the Explode the Code page. Yeah. So going that awry then that's the wrong match for your child. But, you know, I had two kids who couldn't think of anything more enjoyable to do than yeah. fill out a workbook. My one daughter wanted to do spelling tests, and I didn't even believe in spelling tests. So we started by just buying those spelling books at the supermarket because they were $3. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And, uh, she worked through those till she got tired of them. Then we started making spelling lists from fashion magazines because she was really into fashion. So there she would know. make a spelling list. And then I'd give her a spelling test. And eventually she started a fashion blog. So <laughs> you know, sometimes the traditional school at home is almost like playing house or playing school for yeah. your homeschooled kids. Yeah. So I'm not saying that there is no value to workbooks, programs. It's just how do you deliver that experience mm -hmm. to your child? way that they'll buy in, right? Yeah. That's the goal. I love that. And I think that idea is so liberating to parents because I could see how reading your book, it's like, oh gosh, it's so beautiful. How do I do that all with my five children and my, you know, keeping exactly. the house up and everything. But like you're saying, it's, it's not this all or nothing approach. It's just this idea of how you approach whatever it is exactly. you're doing. And that is very liberating. You don't have to feel like, okay, I'm a mom of, you know, four or five or however many kids. And now I've got to custom make an education for each and every one of them. And, you know, how are we going to do it all? That's not what exactly. it's about because then you're going, there's not going to be enchantment <laughs> if you're stressed out about it. You're a hundred percent right. And in fact, towards the end of the book in the third section, I think it is, I talk about how to sustain this experience so that you aren't just flaming out quickly. Yeah. Some 
it's really just attuning yourself differently in how you imagine parenting. We spend so much energy lecturing our kids about what they'll be like as adults, the value of duty. We don't always get to do what we want to do. Not everything can be fun. Someday you'll have to pay bills. The boss will yell at you if you're late. We use all these weird shaming tactics Mm. instead of actually imagining what creates a good life. So if, if we all have to do housekeeping, how could we do it in a way that doesn't make us all hate our lives yeah. rather than saying, well, you're going to hate your life, so you have to do it. Do you see the difference? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big difference. I love it. I think it's yeah. it's so important, like you're saying, for framing everything that we're doing. Yes. Not that's just right. homeschooling. And that's why this book is for everyone. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love it. I think I think that's a good place to wrap up because people just need to go get the book, get the audiobook. You guys, I've been listening to the audiobook. It's excellent. I think you guys Thank will you. really like it and be inspired and just have a new perspective on things. Well done. I was it's 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 a tome. Like it's a it's a book, girl. Like yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> you really fit. <laughs> Do you know I cut 90 pages of it. Wow. <laughs> I, I mean, you fit some inspiration. It's like, it's tall, it's wide, and it's thick, but it is packed with goodness. I'm Thank sure you. it's going to be such a blessing to so many people. Thank you, Mackenzie. So, but playing off of that, I mean, you've written a book, you've been doing a lot of traveling. What does a typical day look like for you right now, Julie? So I work from home, which I love. Yeah. So- wake up and the first thing I do is I make a big pot of British tea Mm. during my first pregnancy this British drink because my midwife was British and every time I would visit her she'd offer me tea I I had all my appointments in her home because I lived in a foreign country at the time and uh in Morocco and and I said and I can't drink tea I'm as Julie, do you really believe all British women would give up tea just because they're pregnant? <laughs> oh. So I start with tea. And uh, usually I spend a little time reading about the day's news. I'll check some of my social media and then I get to work with my company, which is all online. We're all remote. There's no headquarters. Headquarters is my kitchen counter. Yeah. And I spend the day, you know, interacting with parents and preparing to share about products and lead webinars. It's a dream life for me. I absolutely love being involved with homeschooling families. And my son, who's an adult, is back home for a little while he preps for a new career. And so that's really fun. I love having him here. So that's yeah. a typical day. And then at the end of the day, you know, I watch something really meaningless like Veep or, yeah. uh, or you know, something yeah. like that. I love it. <laughs> That's that sounds fabulous. And I'm so glad that you're just doing what you enjoy and it's working for you just like for your kids. That's awesome. Thank you. Okay, how are you currently cultivating loveliness in your life? Oh, that is a great question for me right now. I have jumped on the indoor houseplant craze. Ah. I have started purchasing a whole bunch of plants. I have a a nice tree growing that um, suddenly has some dead branches, so I'm worried about that. But the rest of them are thriving, and uh, I love it. I, I don't know why I lived without plants for so long. It just makes me really happy every day. Yeah, I have friends that swear by them, and they say, as soon as I get a place, like I have to fill it with plants. I completely agree. I'll it's- probably kill them all, but... <laughs> Well, you can always buy more. That was the thing I realized. Oh, wait, if I kill it, I can get another one. Yes, but- there's it's not also, like I'm killing a puppy or something. No, exactly. But there's also something about like the daily attention of hmm. like I keep um, four little plants right at my sink and they always turn towards the window. So every day I turn them away from the window and by the next morning they've moved around. I don't know. It's like we're playing. Yeah. It's just like having a friend at my kitchen sink. It makes me want to wash dishes longer. It's my little enchanted kitchen sink. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Well, the way I am currently cultivating loveliness is we are getting outside because (laughs) it's been such a long winter. There is still a lot of snow out on the ground. Wow. Yeah. 
but I mean, we have like on the sides of the street where there is no sun really getting to them, there's probably a foot and a half of snow still. But it was got up to 50 degrees this past weekend. And oh my goodness, we just got outside and went for a walk and the kids just were playing even even with the snow. They had like light wow. jackets or just t-shirts on some of the time because they were running around so crazy. And it just felt good to not be trapped in the house. So we had the windows down while we were driving, and it's it's been nice to finally get a little bit of reprieve from the never-ending winter. That sounds perfect. Yeah. I mean, because I should also say, last Tuesday, so not quite a week ago, we had a snowstorm still in March. Wow. So, wow. yeah, it was like snowing an inch an hour, I think they said. I mean, wow. it was, it's just been the never-ending winter. But I think I think we're finally coming out of it and we're all ready for it. So that's, that's nice. awesome. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for my stock questions? I am. All right. Candles or essential oil diffuser? Candles. All right. Cloth napkins or paper? Cloth. City or country? City. Paper or digital? Digital. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? Oh, online for sure. Okay. <laughs> it's four o'clock or whatever time you make dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? Podcast. And what are some of your favorites? I love the On Being podcast by Krista Tippett. Okay. I also listen to a couple of like entrepreneur podcasts. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's another one that I would want to share. Oh, I really enjoy listening to This American Life okay. on a very regular basis. That's a good one, too. All right. Chocolate, milk or dark? Oh, this is so funny. The cool kids all like dark chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> so for years, I made myself eat dark chocolate. And then one day, I bought a Cadbury's milk chocolate bar with almonds. And I was like, dude, this tastes so much better. Oh. So I've never gone back. I'm all a right. milk chocolate. All right. <laughs> I'm not a cool kid. <laughs> okay. Sports or no sports? Oh, sports all the way. Every single one of them. I'm all a total right. sports fanatic. But I would not have pegged you for that. That is Oh, so my funny. God. No, I'm ridiculous. I have... I have fan jerseys. I was oh in a goodness. fantasy football league. Ah. I won twice. Oh, yeah. No, oh, I'm a huge fabulous. sports person. Yeah. Okay. Live broadcasting. Would you rather broadcast or watch? Oh, broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could have answered that one for you. <laughs> but I love watching, too. I yes. don't want to sound too much like a yeah. narcissist. Yeah. I just love live broadcasting. I yeah. think it's really revolutionary, really fun. Yeah. It's just so fun to interact with people. And I agree. I agree. Yep. Okay. What is your favorite movie? Uh, like of all time? Of all time. Oh my goodness. I know it's a hard one, huh? I think, well, I, is it okay if, if it's my favorite book that is also a favorite movie? Can sure. I do that? So A Room with a View never gets old for me. I love everything about the movie and the book is hands down my all-time favorite book by Ian e. Forster. All right. Sounds good. I don't think I've had someone say the book and the movie, so that was good. Okay. Good. Okay, and if you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum, where 0 is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair, <laughs> where would you fall on the spectrum? Oh my gosh. I'm probably, uh, wow. So zero is not at all. What, yeah. what would zero look like? So I can gauge it. Better. <laughs> um, you gave me a good 10. What's the zero? I think the zero would be like lots of Botox and fillers and oh no okay, recycling and, you know, Okay, good. that's helpful. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a seven. Okay. <laughs> all right. That's a great answer. I've not had anyone make me define the zero. <laughs> You're making me think outside the box. Of course you are, Julie. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. I think that people are going to love your book and I'm sure are eating up all of your other resources as well. And I just love everything you put out there. So thank you for coming and sharing about it on my show. 
Oh, thanks for having me, Mackenzie. I'm a big fan. I oh. root for you hard. I love your same page podcast. That's the one I should have said. Such oh. a good podcast. <laughs> and my families enjoy it so much. So thanks oh. for all the good work you do and put out there too. Well, thank you. You have a good day and I will have you on when you write your next wonderful book. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> okay. Julie is just one of my favorites. She has been such a support to me in the last year and a half, and even before that when I was a homeschooler. I just love her, and I think that she has really valuable information to give us in the homeschooling journey and even just the parenting journey. So be sure to head out and get her book. If you would like to get a copy, you can head to our show notes at boldturquoise.com slash 112 to get the links to her book and where you can find her online. Also, like I mentioned earlier, you guys, we have so much going on in the Patreon community. We would love to have you there. Come to patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely to see what we have to offer and if it would be a good fit for you. But we also have just our regular Facebook community, which you can find by just searching for cultivating the lovely on Facebook. And I also love connecting with you on Instagram. So if you find me at Mackenzie Coppa, I like to share stories there and it's a really fun place for me to get to engage with all of you. So be sure to find me at Mackenzie Coppa on Instagram. And while you're doing stuff online, why don't you leave us a little review on iTunes? It just really helps the show out and it doesn't cost you any money. It would be super helpful if you could do that. All right, ladies, that's all for this week. Until next week, go be bold and gracious. (music) 